Welcome to the Sisters in Service podcast. My name is Kat Corchado. I'm a fellow Air Force veteran who, after 20 years of active duty, struggled with transition after leaving service. The Sisters in Service podcast is a platform to include all women veterans, organizations, military spouses, and Blue Star Gold Star families in talking about the trials and triumphs we face while in service and after service. I want to take a moment to thank all of you who have taken the time to listen and follow me on my journey. My podcast is every Tuesday, and I hope you will tune in. Until then, please be safe, take care of each other, and until next time. Welcome to our newest episode of Sisters in Service. I am your host, Kat Corchado. My guest today is Jen Amos. She is the host of an award-winning podcast called Holding Down the Fort. She is a huge entrepreneur. We're, we're going to get into that. And she was also on season three of the of, as a contestant on the reality podcast competition, America's Next Top Podcaster. Jen, welcome to Sisters in Service. Kat, thank you so much for having me and for sharing all of that stuff. I'm excited to connect with you and to just talk about anything and everything. So let's get into it. Yeah, let's <laughs> do this. So I understand that, you know, first of all, let's let's get into this podcast thing. I want to know more about this America's <laughs> Next Top Podcast because I'm just like, wait, why don't I know about this? What's going on? How did you find out about that? Well, I have to give it to the podcasting community. I, I'm part of various groups. And um, I think it was the end of 2020. Uh, some one group mentioned like, hey, like this, this competition is looking for more or looking for people. Uh, why don't you go ahead and apply? And at that time, I was kind of applying for anything, uh, knowing that like, you know, they say that uh, if you want to increase your success, you need to double your rate of failure. And I thought, oh, well, let me just apply for everything and see what sticks. And it was early January of 2021 when I got the message that I was going to be one of the, I think, 10, uh, 10 contestants. And I was very surprised. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, honestly, I didn't really care to be quite honest. I was like, oh, like, I mean, I didn't, I was happy I got it, but I wasn't expecting to get it. Right. So the right. fact that I got it, I was like, oh, what a, what a responsibility and a sense of responsibility and honor and privilege. And also just, you know, how exciting to kind of put myself in the fast track in the podcasting world to learn in a competition. So it was really cool. I have to give it to, like I said, the podcasting community for just putting the word out there and, um, you know, the opportunity to apply and, and be chosen as one of the contestants. So it was, it was a very interesting time. And that was a year ago, Kat. So it's crazy. <laughs> That's fun. So how long had you had you been podcasting before you found out about it? Well, I started podcasting in summer 2019. And at this time, my life had felt so transient. Like I, I kind of had this belief that like nothing um, nothing physical was going to last for me. And that's a whole story in itself for later. But I, I came to this conclusion that in order for me to build community, I would have to do it online. And so I was trying to find a way to do that. And I remember what happened one time, uh, my husband, we often call him the dog and pony show of our business. He's usually <laughs> the one that gets invited to, you know, tell his story and talk about our business. And the person that was interviewing him had a technical issue with their show. So they sent him, um, you know, kind of like what we had before we started recording, sent a uh, another program to record. And it was that program. I'm not going to mention it because I don't use it anymore 
anymore, but that program showed me how easy it was to get into podcasting. And when I just started getting into it, uh, Kat, it was crazy. I started like five podcast shows at once. That's how crazy it was at the beginning. I narrowed it down to two, just so you know, <laughs> I narrowed it down. But I, I remember like, I like, as I started to do it and I started to interview people, I felt like I was able to kind of you know, find my, my happy space. And before you know it, 2020 happened, the pandemic happened, you know, people couldn't meet in person. So it was actually the perfect time for me to have jumped into the podcasting space because it really became my way of relationship building and, you know, prospecting uh, business and leads and, you know, really just getting my name out there. So it's just so crazy how, you know, having that, that lack, like feeling like you lack a sense of community, uh, propelled me to try to build something online. And, you know, here we are talking today, um, fellow podcaster to be able to tell the tale yes. <laughs> of, of what my life was like, you know, uh, almost three years ago now when I started podcasting. Wow. I just surpassed, I think, I think in April will be a year and a half, but when you mentioned COVID happening, and I think I, I remember some statistic, they said that there were over a million podcasts during the pandemic that people started. <laughs> I, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because I, you know, I think podcasting is that thing for a lot of people where they're like, I want to start a podcast and they just put it off and put it off and put it off. And then of course they're stuck at home. They're like, oh my gosh, this is the perfect time to take on um, projects that I've been putting off forever. And unfortunately though, Kat, a lot of those uh, podcast shows didn't make it, you know, post, you know, uh, post pandemic, a oh, lot of yeah. people, you know, got started, um, you know, went back to their normal lives and are doing other things or they needed to find a job. And I just feel so grateful that, you know, I started at a time where, you know, podcasting, it wasn't like the fad. It was kind of like, oh, I'm doing it because I, you know, I finally know how to do it. I want to do it, you know? And so the pandemic really just kind of, um, intensified my desire to stay connected with people um, as opposed to like, it didn't spark this new interest for me to do podcasting because I was already doing it. So I right. feel really grateful that in a sense, we were able to survive, you know, kind of the pandemic podcasters. Or even the pod <laughs> thing that after. they talk about all the time. Yes. You know, I had Absolutely. the idea for a year and I kept saying, I don't have time. I don't have time. And then COVID hit and I was like, well, okay, <laughs> let me, let me try it. Let's see what's going to happen. But I think yeah. those that, that make it, and what I mean by make it is that they've been consistent. Podcasting as a host is a labor of love. You yeah, know, it's, it's about your why. And if you can remember your why, you're going to continue to podcast. So great story. I love that. So I read that you had received a bachelor's in journalism and that you were fired from your fourth consecutive job in, in your, in your young adult life. So my question to you is, you know, even for an adult who's been in the workforce for a long time, what was your mindset during that? You know, when you get fired again, you're like, good grief. What, you know, what were you thinking and how did you, turn it around. Yeah. You know, Kat, I, I appreciate you bringing that up, you know, that part of my past and my young twenties, my young adult life coming out of college, because, you know, when I think about it, I, I actually was thinking about it this year, like this year will be my 12th year since I've been self-employed. And it blows my mind that that was 12 years ago, you know, having been fired consecutively from four jobs, uh, Kat, two of those jobs, I was fired in one day, just by the <gasps> way. 
And yeah, it was awful. I was awful at holding a job. And every time (laughs) it broke my heart, every time I cried, I kid you not, especially the one that, you know, fired me. Like, like it was, um, it was one of those, I worked in, um, you know, a school where, uh, I worked in like the after school program and then I worked during the day. So technically I had like two jobs. So I'd start my day in the after school slash morning program, go into school during the day and then after school program. Right. And I just remember when, um, they, you know, they fired me from both jobs and I ended up crying that entire weekend. And, um, I remember that I I wonder if it was that job. It was probably the fourth and final job, but I remember a good friend of mine said, Jen, I, I don't think you're meant for a job. You know, I don't think like, I don't think that's your thing. And I remember I was kind of at this crossroads where it's like, well, I can put in the energy to, uh, you know, polish up my resume again. I mean, how, how am I going to update it? I'm going to have to tell all my future employers I got fired four times. Right. You know, I could invest in that and try to oversell myself or justify why I got fired. Um, or I could just be in business for myself. And in college, I was fortunate to get into direct sales quite early. A college college uh, friend introduced me to a company and it gave me this financial business education that I think I was always hungry for. I just didn't know it was called business. You know, I, I didn't understand like how all my friends were really, you know, doing the American dream, go to school, get good grades, get a good job to, you know, A, B, you know, A to Z. Right. And it just didn't feel right for me. And I'm sure we can get into more of this later, but I think a lot of it had stemmed to the fact that I was a military kid having moved around every two to three years for the first 10 years of my life that, you know, just that constant feeling like you have to reinvent yourself and always have like an escape route. <laughs> yeah. you know? um, so I think that's part of it. And so I think being in business for myself and, and being self-employed really gave me, I guess that, that desire to like have that escape route, you know, I can control my destiny. It hasn't been easy. Obviously right. I, I can totally get into that too, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy to look back and think, that was 12 years ago. That was, I was, I was 22. I'm 34. Now I was 22 when I was like, here I am with a bachelor's degree, you know, and I'm in PR. I'm, it's, it's not supposed to be hard to find a PR job, you know, especially cause it's female dominated. Like I, I could easily find a job if I wanted to, but how am I getting fired for four jobs? Um, and so, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it blows my mind. It really does. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because to just, reflect on that and be grateful and to know that I went through so many grieving processes just to be where I am today and be like, wow, that is part of my past. That is part of who I was. So, so thanks for reminding me. (laughs) Yeah. But look at where you are now. You know, if you had tried to stick it out, I mean, I wish I'd had that kind of foresight at 22, to be honest with you. And, but you know, my dad was very traditional and he did, my dad actually retired on a Friday from the Air Force and mm-hmm. went to work for McDonnell Douglas, which is now called Boeing, the following Monday. Wow. Because that's what you did then. So I thought, well, that's yeah. what I'm supposed to be doing. But yeah, yeah. it didn't work out for me either. So <laughs> just <Yay>. saying. <laughs> it's a celebration. <laughs> so what kind of advice like, yeah. would you give to someone who finds themselves kind of where you were? You know, because yeah. sometimes it's everyone's like, oh, you got to get a job. You got to do this. Sometimes a nine to five or whatever job isn't right for some people. What kind of advice mm-hmm. would you give to someone who's maybe feeling that kind of itch to be an entrepreneur? Well, I think the 
the biggest advice is that I can give um, is like really, really defining like what you want your lifestyle to look like. Like before you even think about what business you want to get into. I mean, it depends. Everyone gets into entrepreneurship differently. But for me, I really needed, you know, to get paid off of a, a lot. Like I, I needed something to support the lifestyle I wanted, which was to be mobile, to be creative, um, to, you know, really just give me that freedom to figure out who I was really. And I think what happens for most people and especially like millennials, they say, you know, millennials will have like five to seven jobs in their lifetime. I think it's like 50 jobs now <laughs> at this point. It's been a lot, you know, but um, I think that that stat, that um, stat is wrong now. I think it needs to be updated. But, um, you know, for me, I was thinking like, okay, you know, first and foremost, I'm an introvert and I know it doesn't look like it. I, I know it doesn't seem like that, but trust me, a lot of um, introverts are in the podcasting space for a reason. And I couldn't work in an office where people like where my desk is like facing someone else, for example. Like I couldn't be in one of those like open, open, uh, I don't know what you call them, like the open desk workspaces. Where, like, yes. Yeah. Workspaces yeah. where you can like see everyone's faces and you can hear whatever you can hear people on the phones. And I want my know, own cubicle, like, you know, with the four little walls. <laughs> I could just exactly, hide. <laughs> exactly. And, and I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I couldn't like be in the same, like, even when I think about the jobs I had, I couldn't just like be around people who weren't thinking of their future for a back, lack of better term. It was kind of like, Oh, this is my job. You know, this is my job. And if I lose it, I'll figure it out from there. Like it was really hard to be in that kind of environment. And also, and I'm sure this has to do with my own daddy issues. Like I couldn't deal with authority, you know, like I, most of my bosses were men and it was really hard for me to, you know, listen and be obedient and, and be told what to do. So right. I think that like what I had learned um, is that if you like, if you don't know what you want, you have to first learn or identify what you don't want. I don't want to work in an office. I don't want to work the nine to five, you know, I don't want a and boss. You, start, you don't want a boss. Yeah. And I don't want to commute. You know, I don't want to be on the free. Like I lived in uh, SoCal for 20 years lots of traffic, oh, you yeah. know, like, and, and I, I, I feel very fortunate that I figured out like, kind of like the traffic times, but I, I also, you know, told myself, I don't want to be stuck in traffic. Like my, my brother used to do the hour commute from, you know, Chula Vista all the way to, I think Mira Mesa or Carlsbad, which is like an hour, hour and a half, depending on traffic. And I'm wow. like, I don't want to do that. I no. want to just wake up and work, you know? And so, so then once I was able to identify what I didn't want to do, I was able to identify what I wanted to do. It's like, okay, I don't want a nine to five. So that means I want to have a job that, you know, supports my lifestyle as opposed to my lifestyle supporting my job, I guess you can say. Yes. And so just being able to start identifying that and going from there, but really, you know, you know, at this point I, I'm on my third business venture. I think this one's going to stick though. I think this is the one, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, either way, it wasn't really about like it, 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 what I realized is the common pattern with all, like every endeavor I took was the lifestyle, just the ability to continue to explore all that I am yes. and being able to, you know, actually I, I just finished, not finished. I'm like halfway through um, the book, the e-myth and the author talks about how, you know, working on your business is a big metaphor for working on your life. You know, you have to come with your most authentic self in your business because that's the only way your business is going to be successful. And so, you know, to be able to have gone through the types of business 
ventures I've taken in the last 12 years, I look at it and I honor it because it's like, oh, that's who I was. That's who that's who I was at that time to be able to have a business like that, mm-hmm. you know, and and it, 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 it transformed throughout the years. I decided I needed to move on. And right. hey, that's the life of an entrepreneur. You're not going to stick with one business, one idea. Um, you're going to have to, quote unquote, kill your babies, as they say, like if you're in love with an idea, <laughs> an idea and it's not working. Right. You have to, OK, let's you know, look at this again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too that you know. it's, you know, when, when you look back on, I know at the time it doesn't feel that way, but now you look back on it and it was almost like the universe saying, this isn't for you. And I don't think of it as failing. I feel, I say that it's failing forward because if you hadn't failed at that, you wouldn't be doing it what you're doing now. And yeah. I've, I've always had, I think an entrepreneurial spirit because girl, I saw everything, you name it, I sold it, <laughs> but you know, I kept trying to find that thing, you know, like yeah. if I have to sell you something, no, you either want it or you don't. So I sucked right. at it. <laughs> I did. I sucked, but it it's it kept leading me to somewhere. So I don't think of it as failing. I feel like it's more failing forward because now I'm yes. here. So I know that yeah. your podcast, um, Holding Down the Fort, is advocating for military families, entrepreneurs, women, and mental health. So what is your connection? Tell our audience your connection to the military. Yeah, well, uh, I was born into a military household in Yokosuka, Japan. So back in the late 80s. And my, I think my dad was like halfway through his uh, service. I think he just kind of entered becoming like, like doing career. I think I have to confirm the the, de- the dates and times, but um, yeah, I was born into a military family, and just like with many military kids, you know, the every two to three years you end up moving and you kind of end up uprooting your life and starting over and making new friends, et cetera, et cetera. And um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a bad life, cat, like because I really had community. You know, I had the military community. I had uh, the Filipino community. Like I, um, I come from a Filipino background. Um, I had my blood family. Like there was just a lot of. It felt like there was a lot of community that didn't seem. It didn't seem like a problem. Um, however, it was when I was ten years old when um, my dad was at his last duty station, which happened to be the base that I was born in, Yokosuka, Japan. So he ended up coming back, and. Um, he was, he was about 18 and a half years into service. He was going to finish, you know, his service there in Japan. Um, when he gone missing, uh, his ship, his last ship was the USS Kitty Hawk. It was traveling from, uh, Japan to South Korea. And, um, supposedly he was a man overboard. They sent, you know, jets out. They sent a search crew out, you know, for three solid days. Um, this is what I was told and what I know up, up until this point. And they had con- continued the investigation for the following three months till they finally decided to, I guess, move on from it. And um, at that time, I was 10. My brother was 11. My sister was uh, six. Um, and they told my mom that, you know, we couldn't find him and um, you're going to have to leave. You don't have a sponsor in Japan anymore. And so our lives catapulted, yes. you know, from being a military family to a gold star family. And, you know, here I was at 10 years old being, you know, thrusted again, um, you know, all the way back to SoCal, which I ended up uh, living at for 20 years. I'm currently in the East Coast now. And um, you know what, Kat, like, even though we settled in one place for 20 years, my mindset did not settle, you know, mentally, 
like that whole just craziness of that military life continue right. to perpetuate in my life because you know when I went to an elementary school I went to another one like even though I went to one in in San Diego I ended up going to another one and then before you know it there was middle school that was for 2 years and then I went to high school and then I went to a second high school and then I went to college and in college I changed my major 3 times <laughs> because I just couldn't I couldn't you know right. I I didn't know how to hold on to something so yeah, that's a little bit about my background and, you know, definitely happy to get into more details later, but 20 fast forward to 20 years, I end up meeting my husband who, um, you know, often has to mention that he's a West Point grad and, um, he <laughs> just finds his way in the it. conversation it's a, somehow. It's always, it's always in there. It's always in there. And I say it with love and I, something about West Pointers, man. But anyway, he was a West Point grad and he actually graduated the year that 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, he was one of the, you know, him and his uh, class were one of the first to, um, you know, go go overseas and, and everything. And um, anyway, in 2008, he uh, not only did he transition out, but he got into the financial industry um, in Germany, right when the economic crisis happened in America. Perfect timing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and anyway, he ended up uh, working there and working really closely with uh, the military community that was overseas in Germany. And eventually he came to SoCal and that's how we met. And at that time, I was running an online marketing business. Uh, he was referred to me as a client because he wanted to build his business online. I promise this doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> We're still together. <laughs> and and um, yeah, and before you know it, uh, I ended up just started working with him. And in working with him, I was able to kind of, you know, uh, re like rehash my story as a Gold Star family member uh, to be able to understand like how we can help career military families today. So yeah, it's, it, it is really crazy. Like, you know, my past and with the military community to what I'm doing today for the military community and, and talking to you and being on your show, Kat. <laughs> well, I'm so glad you're here. I know that I was a military brat also, but I, I see, I wasn't forward thinking. I thought this is just the way people live. I thought anyone who was in the military, they were special in some way, shape, or form. Not everybody got in. You know, it was like this special Mm -hmm. club. And we got to go to all these different places. And so out of my two brothers, so I'm the oldest. I have two brothers. I'm the only one that went in the military. So I'm going to ask you as a military brat, why or why did you not go in the military? What was your reason? I mean, I kind of know. Maybe, yeah. I think. <laughs> However, I'm going to ask the question anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to answer it, which, you know, it was interesting because, you know, in high school and in going to college, all my mom wanted me to do was to have a stable job. And she felt like the military was going to provide that. I mean, it kind of depended on every time I changed my major. So the first time <laughs> I think I changed my major... Um, I think, I think my first major was like psychology and she was like, oh my gosh, if you stay in school for a long time, you could become a doctor, you know? And then I changed it to like something else. It was like conflict resolution. And she's all like, oh, okay, well, you know, if you, uh, get your bachelor's, you can, you know, uh, become an officer in the military. And then I changed it again. I changed it to <laughs> PR, uh, journalism with an emphasis. You're like, no. And, and then she finally said, you know what, do what makes you happy. <laughs> but either way, you know, she always like, had to make it a point to mention that, you know, the government, like a government job is the most stable job. I mean, you know, to her credit, she's been working for the government for 30 years now, you know, uh, working um, in San Diego at, uh, at the Balboa hospital. So, you know, kudos to her, obviously 
she wasn't wrong. <laughs> you know, it's just that for me, you know, I, I couldn't even fathom, you know, serving. I was like, well, you know, mom, don't you remember what happened? Like, do you remember what happened with us being in the service? And, and also because at the time, at least amongst my friends, the military seemed like a profession to fall back on. You know, it was kind of like, oh, if you don't do well in college, you join the military. So <laughs> the perception of it, I mean, my personal perception plus the social perception of course. was kind of like, eh, you know, and um, however, though, you know, here I am at 34 looking back and, you know, kind of having met my husband and getting to know the military community today. Honestly, if I had to do it again, I would have I would have joined. I would have done at least four years, to be honest. Um, but, you know, it's neither here. near. It's neither here or there anymore. <laughs> right. I mean, you're still involved. You know what yeah. I mean? You're yeah. still involved with the military community. Um, so I know that you were awarded the Media Professional of the Year at the Rosie Network Entrepreneur Awards. So as a successful entrepreneur, what's your secret? <laughs> Come on, give, that, give us that oh special sauce. <laughs> you know what? You know what my commit, like, yeah. So no, actually, I, I can give you an answer. And it's it's commitment. It's like, it's, it's just having this, um, absolute, you know, kind of determined like this absolute, like, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I just like absolutely decided I was like, for whatever, like, as long as this supports the lifestyle I want, I'm staying in it, you know? And so I think you just have to have that fortitude, that conviction of what you want, because here's the thing. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I met someone here in the office. I'm, I'm working out of a co-working space and, you know, she was just visiting for a couple of weeks. So she was, she wasn't, she didn't have a member membership here. However, she ran into me and she's like, Oh, you have an office here. She's like, so, so what's it like to be an entrepreneur? It must be amazing. Huh? And honestly, I was like, I had a pause. Cause I was like, like, how do I say this without like <laughs> scaring the crap heart, out of her? Also, like, encouraging, <laughs> yeah. Also encouraging her to do it anyway. I, and she's like, how's it like? And I said, well, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle choice because, you know, there's going to be some times where you don't know where your next paycheck is going to come from. There's going to be some times where, you know, you thought that you could be in business with your friends and you realize you were absolutely wrong. You know, you're going to realize that, you know, again, what I was saying earlier, you got to kill your baby, figuratively speaking. Don't like mm-hmm. literally do that, you know? Um, and I feel like I need to explain that to people I know. think I'm interpreting it wrong, but killing your baby basically means, I'm just going to say it now just to get out of the way. You know, it means that like you were so in love with your idea, so in love with your concept, so in love with your business, and yet you're not seeing any traction for it. And you have to kind of like make that choice of like, am I going to continue to hold on to this idea of this perfect product idea of business, or am I going to make money? you know, and, and basically move on from this idea. So that's what I mean when I say kill your babies. Yes. Um, it sounds really bad to say, I feel like I need to <laughs> you're like, wait, um, so I hope, I hope that footnote <laughs> helps explain what I mean by that. And, um, and you know, another phrase I want to mention is since we're talking about death here, gosh, okay. Is you got to eat what you kill in, in, in the entrepreneur space. Like you really gotta, like the only way you get paid is if you actually sell and, you know, learning how to sell is such a, it requires so much personal transformation. It requires so much of looking inward and acknowledging your flaws and insecurities. And, you know, maybe that the skeletons in your closet that you've been, you know, putting off for a while to not, you know, whatever. And it really just requires you to be your most authentic self. And it that requires so much humility 
that requires like so much like putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and publicly making mistakes that, you know, cat, a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people can't. Um, it's really difficult, especially if you are coming from a comfy job. Luckily for me, you know, luckily and unluckily, I lost my dad at 10. So I didn't have that protector growing up. Secondly, like, you know, being a military kid and then like getting fired from four jobs, I had every motivation, you know, every motivation. And and like you said earlier, I like how you said, like, you know, it's not really failure, it's failing forward. I like to call it as redirection. You know, it's not rejection, it's redirection. I'm constantly being redirected to be the best version of myself for that season mm-hmm. of time. And so, yeah, I would say commitment is the key word. It's like you have to absolutely be like, this is my life, period. You know, and I'm going to make sure that everything I do is in support of this lifestyle that I want. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, it hasn't been easy. You know, I've definitely had friends who were making more money than me when they started, when they just started their job. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't even made that in three years combined. You know, <laughs> like it, it's, it's a lifestyle choice. And however, I have to say it's a good one because I don't have a boss. And I love what I do and everything I put out there is really coming from my heart. And, um, you know, people like what I, what I've done, then it it tells me that I'm doing something right. And there's nothing more fulfilling than, you know, like helping people with something that you created. Um, so yeah, that's my answer for you. Commitment. (laughs) Absolutely. It's almost like you're married to it. You know, sometimes you're always, you know, your marriage shifts with each few years or whatever, and you have to both be willing to shift at the Mm -hmm. same time. And, you know, even, you know, for me, when I started my podcast, I did it totally wrong. (laughs) Y'all, I started off with one episode, one, and someone said, oh, wow, you're not going to make it. And I was like, really watch me. Yeah. So, you know, it's that commitment to it and it's always learning Never think that you know everything you need to know, because when yeah. you stop doing, when you stop learning, you stop growing. So I'm always like, oh, what's that? That's kind of cool. And maybe it's not my, maybe it's not for me right now, but I always have a book with me and I'm writing stuff down and I'll go back to it and go, oh yeah, I remember that, you know, making notes yeah. about it, but just, you know, being married to it and, and not being afraid to say, you know what, I, I need help. Sometimes it's, you have to ask for that help, you know, because if someone if someone had told me when I started a podcast that I would have to put myself out there on social media, I might not have done it because I thought, oh, there's right. my podcast. I'm ready to go. And they said, well, how are you going to market it? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> huh? <laughs> what? Wait, what? <laughs> so know, I, think, like, I had to learn. It gets me to think about like how most people... I think, I think the average person is always trying to find their status quo. They're always just trying to get to that place of comfort. And even if they're upset with their job and they try to get a new job, you know, they, they get to this level of frustration again, because maybe they're not happy, but they're happy enough to not leave. And the thing is with entrepreneurship, um, you can't do that. You can't just, you can't settle. There's no status quo because, you know, the truth is you're in a, you're an ever evolving human being. Yes. And I think that entrepreneurship really honors that. And a lot of people, and, and, you know, just, just to everyone's credit, there could be reasons why you don't pursue this life. You could have a family, you could have someone you're taking care of, you know, there are a million reasons, you know, I just, I just believe that if you choose this lifestyle, 
it means you're choosing it every day. Just like how you mentioned, I mean, there's no better way to describe it than a marriage because it's like, there's going to be some days where you absolutely do not love, you know, the person you're with or with the business. You're, you're just going to, there's going to be some days where you're just kind of going through the motions and you feel like you, you took 10 steps forward and 20 steps back. It doesn't matter because as long as you have that fortitude and that conviction that this is your life, this is your Mm -hmm. lifestyle, then nothing, I think nothing can get in the way of that, you know, but you have to have that commitment, that dedication, that fortitude, that conviction, that this is my life. I've committed to this. Therefore I'm going to put up with everything that comes with it. Absolutely. I mean, there are times when I love podcasting, but sometimes I don't like it. You know, the things that I have to do, (laughs) you know, like I, I love my husband. There are some times where I'm like, Ooh, I don't know. I'm not sure I like him today. (laughs) I'm with you. (laughs) But also being an entrepreneur means you have to connect with people. People Mm -hmm. buy from people that they like. So if you're always on social media and you're always giving and you're all, and people might say, Hey, what's she doing over here? Let me, let me take a look. So it's, it's being, it's being authentic. And I, and I, you know, people ever since this whole pandemic, you're like, Oh, you got to be authentic. You know, I'm like, now it's starting to, you know, it's starting to be that word that you don't like to say, you know, just be you. If you want to do a podcast, do a podcast, but be you. I I call it a a secret sauce, your special sauce, bring it to the mic, you know, whether it's, you know, a goofy laugh like mine or certain (laughs) sayings that I have, it's you. It's part of you. So do you and keep it moving and yeah. make sure that you, you know, that you like it most of the time. I will say that sometimes you won't like it, but you love it enough that you're willing to do the work every day. Yeah. So with that said, what keeps you motivated in doing your podcast? Wow. Uh, the one word that comes to mind for me is community. Uh, I'm very fortunate that uh, both of the podcast shows that still exist today um, is because I have co-hosts for them. And, um, and in, in addition to that, I have an active community of listeners uh, reaching out. And, you know, I, I feel like like this year, it's interesting because at least with holding down the fort, we're currently off season. You know, there's a part of me that kept wanting to like push it back. It's like, Oh, I'm not, I don't know when I'm ready to start yet, but it's because of the community, like my co-host and, you know, people interested in it and continuing to bring it up where I'm like, okay, well, you know, this show is a, is beyond me now. You know, like I, I, like I just get to kind of ride the wave of it, of its existence and making sure that it continues to exist. And so I think the reason, you know, why a lot of people pod fade, if anything, is because maybe they haven't gotten the traction they were looking for maybe they weren't, you know, getting the community they were hoping for. Um, and I feel very fortunate to say that, that I did, you know, I feel obligated and more importantly, I feel needed. And I think during the pandemic in a time where it felt so isolating, like it was really podcasting that made me feel needed. Like I had to be somewhere I had to interview someone. And it's like, every time I interviewed someone, even if I was, you know, let's say, uh, dreading it minutes before we get on the zoom call. Cause it's like, Oh, I got to turn my face on. I got to get my, en- you know, I gotta get my energy <laughs> levels in, you know, I got to, right. you know, you yes, know, of course. It's like, but, but usually at, at the end, I'm like, wow, I needed that today. Like I needed their story today. And 
I would say it's because of the community. So, you know, shout out to community. Um, if it wasn't for them, if it wasn't for people waiting and asking when the show is coming back, um, you know, for people who want to sh- see the show grow, like, I don't think I would, I keep telling my co-hosts for the holding down the fort, for example, I'm like, it's because of you that the show keeps going. Cause I, you know, I, I really wanted to go on a long break, but you really love the conversations and I, and I want to honor that. <laughs> and I say that in the best way possible because it's like, it does help hold me accountable. So And I think it's me, you know, meeting people. Like I told someone the other day, they're like, oh, I'm so sick of Zoom. I've got, you know, Zoom fatigue. And I was like, what? (laughs) I I never get tired of talking with people and meeting new people and just chatting. You know, what are you up to? What are you doing? Because it's, it just, you know, sounds so cool and what you're doing and how you're doing it. And when something's you know, bigger than you, you can sit back and go, wow, look at that wave. Yeah. You know, it was just a little ripple, right? Before, and now it's this 10, 20 foot wave and you're just like, that's really cool. So um, I want to be like you when I grow up, I'm just saying, (laughs) but. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) So Jen, where can people find you? Yeah. I mean, right now I'm most active on LinkedIn. So you can find me on there, Jen Amos. Um, I think I'm the only person with that name as far as I know, but if not, like look for the Asian one. (laughs) And, um, and, uh, if you want to, uh, subscribe to my podcast show, holding down the fort podcast.com, it'll be able to provide all the links for you to, you know, find us on social, but also, you know, learn more about me and my co-host. And yeah, I would say those are the two places, LinkedIn or holding down the fort podcast.com. Well, Jen, thank you so much for being a guest today. I've I've had a good time, but I always have a good time, so I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> I just well, I think I, just... I think you're very present. Like I think you're very present with your guest, and you know um, how pe- you know. I think in response to your when people say like, "Oh, I have Zoom fatigue," I think like part of that fact fatigue is, you know, it could be coming from like losing the, the reason why you're going on zoom to begin with. It's like, as long as you, I think, I think as long as you kind of like know why you're doing what you're doing and how it adds to your life, then it's, it, you don't get fatigued, you know? Um, anyway, that's my thoughts on that, but I am so glad that you enjoyed our conversation today and thank you for having me. Yeah. You're so welcome. I, and I just want to, you know, piggyback on that is no matter what it is you're trying to do, whether it's start a business, start a podcast, when it gets to a point where you just think, oh, this is just getting hard, remember your why. Remember mm-hmm. why you started. What was that why? And don't, you know, I don't want to make it seem small, but it, your why is going to carry you through the hard times. So if you're starting a podcast because you want to make lots of money and everyone's doing it, don't. Yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna put it out don't, there. Don't romanticize. Don't romanticize it. it right. We will be the first to like <laughs> demystify, de-romanticize. Like this is like a marriage that's about to like end in divorce. Kind yeah, of, you know, like it's not, but it's like it's like you know you have to constantly renew your mind and mm-hmm. re- like you said, remind yourself like why are you doing this? You know, I ask myself why do why do I keep podcasting? I actually thought about it as I was driving to the office. I was like, why do I do this? Well it does fill up my cup. It gives me the opportunity to exercise my voice and connect with good people who value active listening and storytelling. And you know what? Like I, it's so difficult to find that in your, in the physical world nowadays in local community that like, 
yeah, I'm a stick to podcasting, you know, unless you can show me a better place for me to find this kind of connection. Like, you know, I'm staying here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you find that sometimes people, even person to person don't connect that way. Cause I've been to a lot of networking events in person prior to COVID where, yeah, you know, they just, they don't listen. They just hear you and you're like, Oh, okay. Bye. You know? And you're like, wow, that was a waste of time. (laughs) (laughs) Take my business card. Uh, But thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you and, and, you know, having the audience hear about you and what you do. And for my sisters in service, please take care of yourself. Stay safe until next time. But I'm going to add one more thing. It's never too late to start your impossible. Mm.